Exodus chapter 9. This is kind of a long passage, at least long in comparison to some of the other plagues that we have looked at. This one has a pretty good bit of detail. It's pretty detailed about uh, exactly what's going on. This is the seventh plague that we have seen God uh, bring against the people of Egypt. uh, And Pharaoh is still unwilling to let the people of of Israel go. Uh, This is the seventh plague and it is hail. We've seen several things that God has done, uh, but it is hail, H-A-I-L, not H-E-L-L. God is is about to rain down these big ice stones of hail onto the people of Egypt because they still refuse to turn to the Lord and listen to what he says and let the people of Israel go. So we'll pray and then we'll just kind of go through a few verses at a time. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these words and I pray God that you just would uh, help us to get them. Dear Lord, help us to understand what they're saying. I pray that you would just help us to see uh, you at work in these verses. Dear Lord God, I pray that you would help us to maybe see areas in our own life as we continue to see Pharaoh and the hardness of his heart. Dear Lord, help us to see if there's any areas of hardness in our life. Dear Lord God, and I pray that you just uh, clear our minds and clear our thoughts tonight. God, I pray that you just clear my mind. Help me not to think about that that ball game that's on, dear Lord, that's not important, so help me just to concentrate on what matters now, dear Lord. We come to you now for these few minutes for you, so help this be about your time, and let the Holy Spirit just take over uh, through me and in each one of our hearts, dear Lord, that we hear from you clearly tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh. Tell him, this is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Otherwise, I am going to send all my plagues against you, your officials and your people. Then you will know there is no one like me in all the earth. But now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague, and you would have been obliterated from the earth. However, I have let you live for this purpose, to show you my power and to make my my name known in all the earth. So here we see this kind of starting out similar to what we've seen in the other plagues. God is, is, is telling the Pharaoh exactly what is going on. He says, look, I'm about to bring another plague against the Egyptians here because they refuse to listen, because Pharaoh refused to let the people go. And God even goes so far as to say, look, I could have obliterated you a long time ago. And God could have. God could have said... Pharaoh's done, and Pharaoh could have been done. But God said, I have prolonged these things. Not that I don't think that God was just having fun with Pharaoh and having a good time and wanting to see him suffer. But God said, I have allowed these things to go on so that you can see my power. And these words are true, I think, not only for the Egyptians, but for all people who read these words. Because we have seen God's power in a very grand way in these plagues that it has poured out. And through all of this, all that, 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 that Pharaoh had seen, not only had they seen God's power, but if nothing else, they should have seen God's patience. They should have realized that, that look, God is patient. When they heard God say, I, have, I could have obliterated you, I could have destroyed you, I could have done away with you long ago, it seems like maybe those words would have got Pharaoh to think and said, hmm... Maybe I need to take advantage to one of these times when God comes to me and says, 
let my people go. But sadly, Pharaoh's heart was so hard, he was missing every opportunity that God was giving him to repent. Now, we've said this, I've said this just about every week. We need to look at ourselves and see if we are ever like Pharaoh. Again, it's easy. Uh, we talked about this in, in, in uh, class back there tonight. Sometimes it's easy to see the fault of others, and it's easy for us to maybe look at Pharaoh and say, boy, that Pharaoh, he was shame on him. But perhaps there may be areas in our life that we need to ask God to reveal, and we just need to check ourselves. And maybe not. Maybe there's not that hardness there. Maybe we're doing good. Maybe we're not acting like Pharaoh. But we at least need to check ourselves, and we need to humble ourselves and, and seek the Lord and say, hey, God, are those areas in my life? Because if we humble ourselves and seek ourselves and, and God doesn't reveal any, any serious flaws in our life, then praise the Lord. There's no harm in humbling ourselves. But if we are too proud and say, boy, there's nothing, nothing wrong with me. I'm way better than Pharaoh. I never would act that way. I never would reject God and refuse to hear His Word. Boy, when we have that attitude of pride, guess what? We're setting ourselves up for failure just like Pharaoh did. So when, Pharaoh is, uh, when God is telling Pharaoh, look, I've been patient with you and I haven't destroyed you when I could have, God is saying it's so you can realize who I am, the power I have. And we can learn the same thing through all of these things that we've seen God do to the Egyptians in these plagues so far. Verse 17. You are still acting arrogantly against my people by not letting them go. Tomorrow at this time, I will rain down the worst hail that has ever occurred in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Again, we see this tomorrow. Sometimes we see this in some of these plagues that God is saying tomorrow. Again, we see God's patience. I believe that Pharaoh could have said, God, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to let your people go. And God would have not brought these plagues on. Now, Pharaoh had a whole an extra day to think about it, but Pharaoh refused to do what God said. Verse 19, Therefore give orders to bring your livestock and all that you have in the field into shelters. Every person and animal that is in the field and not brought inside will die when the hail falls on them. Those among Pharaoh's officials who feared the word of the Lord made their servants and livestock flee to shelters. Now, that's pretty good stuff right there. Isn't that, isn't that pretty kind of God? In bringing these plagues out, he gives them a warning. And he says, look, there is about to be a hailstorm like you have never seen in your life before. And he tells the people, bring all your livestock in. Don't be out in the fields tomorrow when this comes or else you will die. Now that's pretty gracious, gracious of God to do that to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. And some of them listened to what God said. Some of them had got it. No doubt some of the people had probably got it. After all they had been to, through, I would be shocked if there weren't some Egyptians that through this process said, Whoa, I don't know who this God of Yahweh is, but I'm finding out because I'm learning about the power of God and what He's capable of and how He is watching over His people. And so some people heeded the word of the Lord. It said that they feared the Lord. It makes me think of the scripture where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Some of the Egyptians had some wisdom there. Even if Pharaoh failed to, to grasp any wisdom and, and, and listen to what God said, some of the Egyptians got it. But we read a little further, and let's see what happens. Verse 21, But those who didn't take the Lord's word seriously left their servants and livestock in the field. 
Not everybody took God's word seriously. Now that's no different than our world today. There are many people in our world today that read God's word and do not take it seriously. And I think that that's true even sometimes for us as Christians, that maybe we read through, maybe we get the word, maybe we grasp the word, maybe we understand the word. And these people, they didn't really have an excuse. They had seen what God had said he was going to do and what God had done throughout these other plagues that had taken place. But some of them refused to fear the Lord and to heed his word. They refused to take it to heart. They refused to do what it said. Verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven and let there be hail throughout the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field and the land of Egypt. So Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail. Lightning struck the earth and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. The hail with lightning flashing throughout it was so severe that nothing like it had occurred in the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Now, can you imagine? I mean, I would say we've probably all seen some, some big hailstorms in our life. If not experienced them personally here close to home, we've at least seen them on the news or on the Internet. And sometimes you see chunks of hail that are just massive. And the damage that can be done by a piece of ice falling through the sky is unbelievable. And it can happen in an instant. It hadn't been too many years ago that we had all that hail here. And you saw cars everywhere you went. It was cars and they were all dinged up with windshields uh, knocked out. And those pieces of hail weren't extremely large compared to, to, to some of the hail that you see in our world today. And can you imagine God in all of His power, God is the one who is creating this hail and God is hurling this hail down onto the Egyptians. It had to be a horrific time for those people who were there. Flashes of lightning, hail coming down from the sky. And you know what? We don't see that just at this spot in Scripture. The idea of, of God and hail and using that for punishment is, a, is something that we see at several points throughout the Scripture. I wanted to read a few Scriptures to you guys tonight, just some other spots in Scripture that we see God talk about hail and use hail. One of those comes from Joshua chapter 10, verse 11 through uh, 13. Now, these verses are talking about Joshua as he's leading the people into the promised land and they are taking over these different places. Uh, they, had, they had taken over Jericho. They had taken over Ai. And some of the kings and other people in the land had heard what was going on. Some of you guys may remember that uh, from, from a, a few months ago when we covered Joshua. And there were these people called the Gibeonites and they had acted deceitfully and they had tricked Joshua and them into taking them under their wing. And these kings, these leaders of these other places heard what was going on and they decided that they were going to bring an attack on the Gibeonites. Now this is in Joshua chapter 10 is where this is found. Verse 11. Joshua 10 verse 11. And you, you can look it up or you can mark it down for later. And so what happened is uh, these enemies were coming against the people of Gibeon and even though they acted deceitfully, Joshua and the Lord, the people of Israel, are going to fight on their behalf. And here's what happens in that story. Verse 11. As they fled before Israel, that is the enemies that were coming against them, the Lord threw large hailstones on them from the sky along the descent of Beth Haran all the way to Azekah. Now those are places. Uh, and they died. More of them died from the hail than the Israelites killed with the sword. 
Here we see a prime example of God using hailstones, raining them down on the enemies to, to, to destroy the enemies of Israel. And the scripture says that more people died by the hail than they did by the swords of the Israelites. Verse 12, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun stand still over Gibeon and moon over the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on its enemies. Isn't this written in the book of Jashar? So the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed its setting almost full day. Now that's a great passage. I love that story. That really shows us the power of God. First we have hailstones that are raining down and then God stops the sun in the middle of the sky because Joshua asked him to. Here's another good example. Uh, Job chapter 38 verse 22. When, when God is com uh, communicating with Job, he asked this questions. Have you entered the place where the snow is stored or have you seen the storehouses of hail? And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I didn't write the rest of this verse, but I believe God goes on to say that it's stored up for those days when God is going to rain it down. And so this idea of God using hell to, to rain down on his enemies is not an uncommon theme. Uh, one of the things we see with these plagues, with some of them, is that they line up very closely with the book of Revelation. Some of the language, some of the things that are done, some of the things that Revelation talks about that are going to come upon people when that time comes are the same types of things that we see God in all of his power doing here in Exodus. Revelation chapter 8 verse 7, the first angel blew his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood were hurled to the earth. So a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. Again, here we see that mention of hail being hurled down by God and, and judgment. Revelation eleven nineteen. God's sanctuary in heaven was open, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his sanctuary. There were flashes of lightning, similar to what we see here in Exodus, rumblings of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hail. And then finally, Revelation 16, verse 21, enormous hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds. Now, that puts some perspective. When we talk about God raining down hailstones, a hundred pounds, I don't know how big a hailstone would have to be, but I would imagine it being something like this. Jennings is, is, is making yeah. something. So, I mean, that would have to be huge. Could you imagine if that fell out of the sky what it would do when it hit something? If you were a human or if you were livestock, it would destroy you. And here we see that's what God's doing in Revelation. And so those verses, I think, kind of give us an idea of one. This is not just an anomaly, just, well, maybe it wasn't really hailstones. No, I think we see pretty clearly throughout Scripture that God uses this as a form of punishment. Now, I just made a statement, and some of you may have caught this as I was reading, and that is that God said, told the Egyptians to bring their livestock in. Now, some of you may be saying, but wait, the last plague that happened was the death of the livestock. And so if God had killed all the Egyptian livestock, how did they have any livestock to bring in from the hill? Well, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. I'll tell you some possibilities as to where they had livestock from. One, God had spared the livestock of the Israelites. So it is possible that the Egyptians, when they lost their own livestock, just went and took it from the Israelites, or perhaps they went to some of their neighbors somewhere else and they went and got some other livestock. 
I believe that that's probably the, the best explanation. At least that's an explanation that satisfies me. But the Bible really doesn't tell us where they got that livestock from. I don't believe that it's contradictory that in the last plague it died, and in this plague there's still some to die. Because one, we don't know how, how soon after this that took, this took place. It could have been days, or it could have been weeks, or it could have been months. We really don't know. But there are some possibilities that are, that are, that are very uh, believable that the Egyptians simply got livestock from other places after their livestock was taken. So I just wanted to clarify that point in case some of you uh, were wondering uh, how that might have been. All right, I lost my place. Verse 25. Throughout the land of Egypt, the hail struck down everything in the field, both man and beast. The hail beat down every plant of the field and shattered every tree in the field. The only place it didn't hail was in the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. Remember, we started seeing this theme a few, a few plagues back, and that is God is showing protection for His people. Again, this is, this, is, this is showing us the heart of God. This is showing, uh, showing us something that we see many times throughout God's Scripture and we see ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ and our ultimate uh, uh, deliverance and, and to be with the Lord for all of eternity. That is, God spares and God delivers His people. No matter how bad the surroundings may be, no matter how bad the punishment may be on the enemies of God, God's children were protected here. So the land of Goshen where the Israelites stayed, None of the hail fell there. How could that happen? Some people try to explain these plagues as a natural phenomenon. Well, you make it explain how hell could form or how it could be big or all these other things that people may come up with. And God may have used natural means. I'm not saying that God didn't. But I believe it was nothing but the power of God that put an umbrella of protection over the people of Israel. That's the only explanation that I can come up with. And it's nothing but the power of God that is going to deliver us, that is going to keep us safe in those times when it seems like things are impossible, in those times where it seems like people are going to die with cancer and they have a miraculous recovery, where it seems like someone is going to get hit by a car and at the last second something happens and they're able to escape it. Or, 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 or a million things you can come up with where people have been delivered and it seems impossible for that to happen. I believe those times are the Lord watching over His people. Verse 22, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron. I have sinned this time. Hey, that's good news. Pharaoh got it. He recognized he had sinned. But even though he recognized he was a sinner, guess what? His heart still was not changed. Even though he is uttering the right words here in these verses, his heart is not where it should be. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron. I have sinned this time. He said to them, Yahweh is the righteous one, and I and my people are the guilty ones. Hey, that's good stuff. That's a good. Uh, that's that's the start of where we where we come to salvation in Jesus Christ. None of us comes to salvation in Jesus Christ without first recognizing that. Without first recognizing, whoa, I have sinned against God. He is righteous, and I am not. And it is when we come to that realization and we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we see the power of God, that we say, God, I have sinned. I accept you. I turn to you. I want to be obedient to you and accept what Jesus did. Now, Pharaoh got that he was a sinner, but what he didn't do was trust in the Lord. Now, that's a key thing. There are people that can say, well, I know I'm a sinner. Well, you can know you're a sinner, but not trust in Jesus Christ. That's what Pharaoh did. But the key, what makes us a Christian, is not the knowledge that we're a sinner, 
but the acceptance of what Jesus Christ did so that we can be forgiven of our sins. Verse 28, Make an appeal to Yahweh. There has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't need to stay any longer. We've seen this before, right? Boy, we've seen this. Pharaoh, he's going through the motions. He's saying everything right. Boy, it's been hard. He said, this has gone on long enough. I can't take it. I'm sorry. Pray on my behalf and just I'll let God's people go. Verse 29, Moses said to him, When I have left the city, I will extend my hands to Yahweh. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hell, so that you may know the earth belongs to Yahweh. But as for you and your officials, I know that you still do not fear Yahweh our God. Now Moses had learned too, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. Ours are former President George Bush would say, fool me twice, you ain't going to fool me again. And that's what uh, essentially Moses was saying here. He says, I've seen this before. He said, I've seen you do this song and dance. He said, but I know, I know your heart's not changed. I know you're not where you should be. Verse 31, the flax and the barley were destroyed because the barley was ripe and the flax was budding, but the wheat and the, and the spelt were not destroyed since they our later crops. Moses went out from Pharaoh and the city and extended his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and hail ceased, and rain no longer poured down on the land. When Pharaoh saw that the rain, hail, and thunder had ceased, he sinned and hardened his heart, he and his officials. So Pharaoh's heart hardened, and he did not let the Israelites go, as the Lord had said through Moses. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these words and we thank you for this uh, just awesome showing of your power that we see. But God, we thank you for showing of your mercy and your grace and, and, and these things that we see in your word, dear Lord. And so, God, help us, not to, help us not to miss that. Help us not to be like Pharaoh. Help us not to say empty words. Help us not to cry out to you, Oh, Lord God, we, we know and we, we're going to turn to you. God, help us not to just utter words, but God, help us to have a change of heart. Dear Lord, help us to not be like Pharaoh and have a hardness of heart, but God, help us to see your power, not just in these words and what you've done here, but God, in the things you do in our everyday life. And our experiences, God, and how we have seen you work. And so I pray, God, that you would help us just to get that from your words today and that we would seek you and draw close to that power. God, that as, as your children, we'd come to you and that we would fear you and that we would humble ourselves before you, God, and seek you so that we get the same protection that your children got then, dear Lord, that you protect us from those things that the enemy wants to, to, to bring against us, God, and that you protect us eternally through Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.